You know, my wife and I were driving along in the car the other day. We do a lot of travel. You know, even when we're in Australia, we're not in one place for too long. And uh, we're just chatting. She, she was strangely awake during the car, which is unusual. Usually by the 100K sign, she's asleep. She's great company to travel with. <laughs> I'm a country boy. I just love travelling, the scenery. I talk to her and look over and, you know, <laughs> the old fly catches open and she's sleeping away there. We were just chatting about, you know, where we've been and what we've done and the incredible adventure life has been for us. It hasn't all been good. I don't want you to get the idea that, you know, we're in some glamorous role in a foreign country. You know, I often tell people, you know, in banks and things when I'm talking, they say, what do you do? I tell them, oh, wow. I say, look, it's not all incredible. You know, it's hot. You think it gets hot in Queensland. The chickens lay hard-boiled eggs in Sri Lanka. <laughs> it's hot and humid. You know, I might stand in a, in, a, in a room for five hours in a day teaching and I'll probably lose five gallons of water. You know, air conditioning's not that common. Uh, you know, it's difficult. The food is good. The people are wonderful. But, you know, there's a lot of travel. The travel is difficult. You know, to cross the country, it's only 300 k's. It takes nine hours in a fast car, dodging rogue elephants. You reckon hitting a kangaroo's bad. You try hitting an elephant. <laughs> I've never seen a car with an elephant bar yet, but I'd like to see one. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not that glamorous. But it's been an incredible adventure, the journey of life. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Um, I think sometimes we get a bit delusioned about life. And uh, I want to tell you this morning that your life is like a story. God's got one big story with lots of little chapters. And your life is one of them. And the kingdom of God would not be the same without your story. And it's unique. There's only one like it in the entire world. And you're it. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning. People, you know, we come to church on Sunday we hear an ideal preached from the pulpit, you know, and uh, we talk about healing, it's an ideal. We talk about victory, it's an ideal. They're the goals. But then we go out from that Sunday service and life is just not like that. We pray and people don't get healed. Anyone had that experience? You know, we get sick. You know, the kids are doing something stupid at home. You know, we crash the car. Someone rips us off. You know, life is less than ideal to be honest. And really the high points are, you know, they're not, they're not that common, but they're there. And they're enough to inspire us to keep going. So how do we make sense out of life? So I believe that life is a story for each one of us. And we need to find out where we fit, where our story fits into God's big story. I want to start my comments by going back to the Old Testament and talking about the people of God when they met God at Mount Sinai. They had just been redeemed and brought out of Egypt and they were on the way to the promised land. So God had gone to a lot of trouble to bring them out of slavery and to bring them towards the promised land and uh, they had to conclude that they were in some way chosen. God went to a lot of trouble to bring them out so they were special. Therefore, if God had brought them out of that place, 
and deliver them, brought them in uh, to this place at Sinai to talk to them, then bring them into the place that he'd promised for them. He obviously had a purpose for them. Would you conclude that? If God went to that much trouble, it was for a reason. Well, let me tell you that God has gone to just as much trouble for you. Sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. Gave the most precious thing that he had for your life to, to ransom you from sin and destruction. So you're pretty special. And God hasn't done that for no purpose. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. And it's cost him greatly to get you to that point. So uh, if we read in Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 and 3, all the people are gathered and God speaks to them and he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You will have no other gods before me. If you look at that in two parts, first of all, you find that God has chosen this people and he's brought them out of Egypt. And then he begins to give the Ten Commandments, which I guess is his covenant to prepare them for his purpose. So it's a two-part thing. God delivers and then God makes a covenant so that people can fulfil their purpose. The same has happened for you. God has brought you out of sin. He's made a covenant with you, an agreement with you. And it's for a purpose so that you can fulfil what he has designed for you to do. Just keep that in mind. And let me just talk for a moment about a lady in the Bible called Ruth. Anyone heard of her? Yeah, there's a whole book, four chapters, written about her. And I don't know whether you know the story of Ruth, but her distant forefather in Genesis chapter 19, by the name of Lot, had sired her race in the midst of a drunken orgy with his own daughters. Yep, Lot, Abraham's nephew, in his drunkenness produced a tribe of people under God's judgment. And here is a woman who through no fault of her own is cursed with that curse. Does that make sense to you? She, she didn't contribute to this situation. She is a descendant of her father's incest, with his, uh, of her forefather's incest with his daughters. And so she finds herself in this book of Ruth and that's her background. That's where she came from. In fact, it says, An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord even to the 10th generation. None of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever. So Ruth, according to God's word, was despised, though personally having done nothing to deserve it. I'm, I'm going somewhere. Don't go to sleep just yet. So here is Ruth. She's from the wrong race. She's not a Hebrew. She's out of the wrong family. She has a tainted past. She is hounded by someone else's sin and she's scarred by a family scandal. She was not part of that group at Mount Sinai. There was no covenant for her. There was nothing for her. There was no purpose or rewards planned for her. What do you do when you've got that against you? What do you do to get into the purposes of God? How do you get out of that sort of a situation and family background 
to, to make some sense out of your life and build towards something better. Well, Ruth had the good fortune to marry a Hebrew man. So she heard the story of the Hebrews, their God, and his plan for them. And having heard that, she probably had to conclude that she was left out, unnoticed, rejected, found no place in the plan of God. You remember that verse I just read? To the 10th generation, she's not included. And then she marries a Hebrew man and starts listening to the story of the Hebrew children and what God had planned for them. And she had to conclude initially that she was outside, that there was no plan for her life. I reckon there's probably people in this congregation this morning who've come to the same conclusion. Because of your background, because of things that you have no control of, because of your social status in life, you've come to the conclusion there's no place in God's kingdom and God's purpose for you, that you're not part of God's story. Well, I'm going to convince you that's not true this morning. I'm going to convince you that that's a lie from the pit of hell and that even someone with a background like Ruth found a way to get into God's story. And I believe that each one of us can do that. So this story of Ruth is repeated so many times in contemporary life by those people that are rejected, abused, marginalised by whatever. And uh, how can we fix that? Well, you know, here's a little bit of a tip for leaders. If you're a leader in this church this morning, often we, find, we, we think that it's our story when we find a new person or a new believer comes into the church that our job is to try and fix them. I've got an alternative suggestion for you because I've found I've been a pastor for 30-something years before I did missionary work and I just found some people you can't fix. Have you ever found that? It's just difficult. You know, you fix one problem, then another one appears. You think you've got that one fixed and the other one pops up again. And sometimes we see ourselves as the fixing people. We're going to try and deal with the problems in people's lives. Listen, I've got another suggestion for you. It's the wrong focus. I reckon we should be encouraging and trying to interpret for that new person or find a way for them to get to their purpose, to find their story in life. You're looking at a man who's still got problems. I know I look saintly and all that sort of stuff, but I've still got problems. I know you find that hard to believe, but if you had a two-minute conversation with my wife, you would be convinced that <laughs> this man has got serious problems. And I've discovered one thing, that pastors are not perfect. They've not fixed all their problems. Elders are not perfect. They haven't fixed all their problems. I know Pastor Malcolm has, but most other people haven't. And, and yet we've found a way to get into God's story and find a purpose in life, regardless of the problems that we still have. Is this making sense to you? So... In, in essence, a leader is not someone who fixes problems, but is, is someone who engages people in their purpose, gets them understanding their story in life, and so they can move on and do stuff, even though they have problems. Sometimes I hear 
You know, people teaching things like, well, when God fixes the church, then his purpose will be come to pass. My goodness, that's never going to happen. That's not going to happen. Until Jesus come, the church will still be full of imperfect people. And if we're going to wait till we're all perfect before we do the purpose of God, he's not going to happen. We've just got to find a way to move forward, to get into the story regardless of our background and our past. So leaders are not moralists, they're actually story makers, helping people find their story, helping them to find out how they can be included in the purpose of God. So Ruth, out of her destitute situation, eventually finds a great purpose and conclusion to her life. So we should not focus on people's problems, but how I can get them to find their story and eventually enjoy that purpose and those rewards. I am still on the journey of finding out my story. I still find new stuff all the time. You know, if you're doing a math sum, it's only got one answer, but a story can have many, many different endings. So a leader's first step is to listen so you can help the person piece the story together and don't always try to supply the answer. Now, fellas, can I just talk to you for a moment? God has created us in such a way that we are problem fixers. Now, it's taken a long time. I'm a bit thick, but, you know, my wife has taught me that, you know, if she comes to me to talk about a problem, she doesn't necessarily want a solution. Girls, is this true? I just want someone to listen. I used to say to my wife, you know, um, if you've got a problem and you bring it to me, I'll fix it. If you just want to talk about it, go and have a coffee with your girlfriends. Because they're not into fixing things. They're just into talking and, oh, yes, how... But you know, fellas, we have this innate capacity or desire to fix stuff. And may I say to you, men, if you're married, you need to sometimes just listen without fixing. Is this right, girls? It's a very quiet yes. I fed you a line. You could have really shouted then. (laughs) And sometimes as pastors, you know, we're always trying to fix stuff, you know, Some visiting preacher comes and he preaches a great sermon and we sort of look daggers at people around the church thinking, that's for you. I hope you're listening. (laughs) And then we find out, and we're straight over their head, they were doing the same thing the pastor was doing and applying it to other people in the church. It's not about fixing problems per se. It's about finding a purpose finding how you fit into God's story and the problems somehow don't feel to be so important. Does anyone know what I'm talking about here? You can still keep going and achieve great things even with problems. I mean, look at what David did. He had problems. My goodness, he had problems. Look what Abraham did. He had problems. Look what Moses did. He had problems. And yet they did great things, even though they had problems. You know, one of the big problems in church is that we want to copy someone else's story. We look at someone else and we think, oh, he's got a great life. She's got a great life. I wish my life was like that. And we try and copy their story. 
But the thing about life is that yours is unique. God doesn't want a photocopy of someone else in you. He wants you to be you and find your story. I discovered God had a story and a plan for me. When I grew up in, you know, the back blocks of Queensland, I was a chronic asthmatic, nearly died many times, you know, because of the, the, the disease. We had no ventilin back then. You just suffered. I could tell you a few stories. I was skinny as a rake. I'm still not overly fat, as you can see. Uh, I'm anatomically efficient, whatever that means. Uh, and, and, you know, I, was, uh, I, was, I went to 11 primary schools, so, and my parents weren't rich, so I was always two, two uniforms behind as I was going from school to school. I stood out. And so, you know, I had my challenges. Uh, you know, I thought I would be a total failure, that my life would amount to nothing. All of these things going through my mind, trying to desperately be somebody else who it seemed had a better life than I did. Stop doing that. You are robbing the church and the community of a unique, special person when you're trying to copy somebody else. Don't do it. I don't care whether you're young or, or old or in the middle. God has a story for you. He paid a big price to get you out of trouble. He set a covenant with you like he did with the Hebrew people. And he's got a purpose for you to fulfil. And it's your unique purpose. It's not one that is a copy of someone else's. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 says, However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel, in frail humans, uh, vessels on earth, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. We are all have something special within. That verse says it. That was in the Amplified Translation. So if that was a bit loud, I'm sorry. It was the Amplified Translation. But you know, there's something special and great in every one of us. God's put it there. And God wants to bring it out. So the gospel assures us that we all have a part in this great story. And uh, God has a special part in his story for you. So let's go back to Ruth and talk a bit more about her. The raw data that she finds herself in, because she gets married to this Hebrew guy, he dies, father-in-law dies, brother-in-law dies, and it's three widows. One of them are Hebrew and the other two are Moabites. And she's one of the Moabites. There's a famine in the land, there's three widows, not much of a starting point. But Ruth got into the story by pursuing her dream for a better life. She saw something in the Hebrew story and said, remember she said to Naomi, wherever you go, I'm going. Why did she say that? Well, I, I just conclude that her background and her ancestor was pretty bad and she'd heard the stories about God and the people of, of Israel and the Hebrew story and said, well, 
there's nothing for me here. I'm going with you. See if I can't find something better. And so she said those wonderful words to her mother-in-law. Wherever you go, I'm going. So Ruth got into that story by saying those words. And our story, and the story fits, uh, her story, like hers, uh, like ours, fits into God's greater plan. And we know from reading the rest of the story in the Bible that, you know, I won't go into it today, but she married this handsome man uh, who sort of brought her into part, as part of his family. And uh, her offspring, she was the great-grandmother of David, King David. So she became part of the, the royal messianic line, can you believe it? From her background, which was horrible, she got herself into a story and became one of the ancestors of Jesus himself. Isn't that pretty special? That's pretty special. So she got into a story. I used to wonder why the Bible always had these lists of genealogies. Those bits you skip in the Bible, you know? <laughs> so-and-so begat so-and-so. I don't even know what begat means. The more modern translations use the word the son of or the whatever. And I wondered why. There's lists in the Old Testament. There's lists at the beginning of Matthew. There's a list at the beginning of Luke. Why did God take the time to put all that stuff in the Bible when probably most of us don't read it. And then it suddenly dawned on me, so you know where people fit, how they fit into the story. So all those names fit into the story somehow. And you know, the list in, in, in Matthew is a pretty special list because it's unusual in that there are four women mentioned in that list of genealogies. Most of the others are just men, the son of, the son of, the son of. But in that list in Matthew, there are four women mentioned. There's Tamar, there's Raham, there's Ruth, there's Bathsheba. All are either foreign or immoral or undesirable. Anyone can get into God's story. Hello? Anybody can get in. Rahab was a prostitute. Ruth was a Moabite, the descendant of a, an incestuous line of people. And yet they find themselves somehow fitting into God's story. God had a place for them, even though their background was incredibly bad. Now, I don't know my whole story. And I guess many of us don't know, know our whole story. It's an unfolding thing. But I can tell you this, God has a place for you in his big story. Have you discovered your place in the story? If you're sitting here this morning and thinking to yourself, my background is so bad. I've come from such a bad thing. How can I ever fit into God's story? My dad was a heathen until I was 11. He could swear for half an hour, not repeating himself. <laughs> he got it down to an art form. He was a violent, tempered man. Him and my mother used to fight all the time. And eventually he found himself lying on the flat of his back in a hospital in Toowoomba, dying. In fact, we got a phone call from the hospital saying, 
He'll be dead by tomorrow. There's no chance he'll survive. Get ready for the funeral. And then, unbeknownst to us, an old Indian pastor had been visiting him in the hospital and telling him the story about Jesus and saying, Jesus can heal you. And there on his deathbed, my father received Christ, received prayer for healing and got a miracle. He was out of hospital a couple of weeks. He lived another 50 years. He died at the age of 88, having planted churches and been a great impact on many people, including me. But here is a man who was basically an alcoholic who had left school at grade five because his father was an alcoholic and he had to sort of get a job and earn money for the family. He was definitely working class. There was nothing special about him. In his heart, I know that he wanted a better life for his family. He wanted stuff to go better. But his background was preventing him. But there in that hospital bed, his story changed. He got into God's big story. Lying there on the hospital bed, he took a step and got into God's story for his life. Got into his story, which is part of God's big story. And he did something special with his life. I remember conducting his funeral in 2015 and having some of his disciples talk at the funeral. Oh, just tear-jerking stuff. The impact that a man who'd found a way to get into his story was having on other people was phenomenal. Today, friends, there's a story for you. You may not have a background like Ruth, maybe nothing like that, but there is a story for you and God wants you to get into your story. You might think, I've got too many problems. Forget about that. We've all got problems. Problems don't prevent you from getting into God's story. Look at the story of Ruth. You couldn't have a worse background than that and a worse start in life than that. And yet she found a way to become part of the, the Messianic line. She found a way to get into God's story, to find her story as part of God's story. And I want to encourage you here this morning. I don't care what your past is. It doesn't matter. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care about your ancestors. Nothing of that is of any importance this morning because you can get into God's story by finding your story. It's not about fixing yourself up. That'll happen as you find God's story. Hallelujah. Are you with me this morning? Why don't you stand with me? Come on, stand to your feet. Now, I don't have to have a word from God this morning to know that some of you are relating very clearly to my message this morning. I don't need to hear from God for that. In any room this size with this many people, there's going to be people confused about where they are and struggling about their story, wondering why it's not going. And look, <clears throat> again, you might look at me and think it's okay for you, but you don't know the troubles I've had. I had a son with cancer at the age of 21. He survived, he's now 41. That wasn't easy. My wife's just finished treatment for breast cancer. I had thyroid cancer. 
I had an operation to get it out. I think my wife slipped the doctor a few extra bucks to. <laughs> not sure about that. You know, my life hasn't been easy. So don't look at me and think it's okay for you to talk like this. I've had my struggles. I nearly lost my father, as you just found out, at the age of 11. But the thing is this morning, friends, God has paid an incredible price for you to get you to this point. And it didn't do that just to get you to sit down and have a miserable life. He's got an incredible story that he wants to unfold for you. And it's part of his big story. And if you don't find out what it is, something's going to be missing from the big story. So I'm going to pray right now. And if you're relating in any way to what I'm saying, I want this to be your prayer. In fact, why don't we get a show of hands this morning? If you've related in some way to this, what I've talked about this morning, just put your hand up and say, I want to be part of this prayer. Come on, there's more of you here. That's it. doesn't matter what age you are. Be bold. Just put your hand up and say, yeah, that's me. That's me. Father, you see these hands this morning, these beautiful people. And Lord, we know that you've paid a wonderful price for them. You've purchased them. You've paid for their salvation. You've paid the price for their sin. You've brought them to this Sinai at this time to make a covenant with them. And Lord, I pray right now, you would help them to see past the problems and see past the past and begin to see an unfolding vision, which is their story for the future. Lord, in the midst of all the trouble and the sickness and the strife and the financial woes, Lord, that you are creating a story that is uniquely for each one of these people. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for breakthrough in their lives. I pray for breakthrough. Lord, take the scales off eyes this morning so that they might see that there is a purpose unfolding in front of them. Give them vision today, Lord. Fill them with vision. Fill them with an understanding of your purpose for their lives. And Lord, we would just pray for a great healing from the tragedies of the past, from the, the difficulties of the past, so that we might move into your purpose and move into your story for our lives. Encourage your people this morning, oh God. Lift their eyes off their problems, I pray, and focus them on your plan and your story for the future. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks, Pastor. Thanks, Peter. Can I have the team back up if they could, please? The music team, that'd be great. Hey, just so you know, 